This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Our second scripture this morning um, comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. It can be found in your Pew Bible on New Testament page 238. So if you'd like to follow along in your Pew Bible and our Bible you brought, you can turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll be in 14 through 18. It'll also be on the screens for us as we walk through it this morning. Um, now, today we are nearing the end of our movement series, um, and we're, we're doing so by launching this week-long service project that we have called All Family Serve. Now, one of the foundations for this series called A Movement of God is that Oftentimes, when we think of movements, we think about them in, in big ways, big movements with, with big-name leaders and, and larger-than-life um, um, people. And one of the things that we see when we come to Scripture is that oftentimes, um, God uses regular, everyday people um, to do incredible things, to move through. And when God calls us into His movement, um, oftentimes, it doesn't require some large gesture or big um, grand, you know, sweeping thing, but in reality, it really just requires a simple step, a simple yes, a simple inching closer and closer towards the kingdom of God. And we believe that all of us have been invited into a movement of God. God is writing a great big story, and and we, we get to be a part of it. Now, one of the realities that I love about this church, and I think is reflected really well, especially when we do things like all families serve, is that um, the church, I I believe the church is living into its purpose when the community that it's in is better off because it's there. And that is absolutely true about Southwest Wake County and about Apex. Um, Knowing the ways that our youth and our adults and our children work um, to make this community a better place to be the hands and feet of Jesus here um, makes it incredibly clear that this place, this community um, is blessed by this church's presence here. And so the movement of God, the movement of God is at work. And not just in us, but also in the larger United Methodist Church. And that's one of the things that we've been doing through this series is we've been looking at how in our DNA as Methodists, we see um, these things that we've pointed to as, as markers of a movement of God are just embedded within our DNA. I had the opportunity to be at a new member class um, with Pastor Owen last week. Pastor Owen teaches our new member class. And one of the things that he said was, watch how the United Methodist Church responds to this hurricane. Oftentimes, right behind the first responders, they will be the first ones in and the last ones out. Our emergency response teams across our connection are some of the first people to enter into these dangerous areas to help people, to help people recover, to help people get out of harm's way. And we give thanks for that. And that truth is a really great setup for our discussion this morning, and, and really this, this topic that we're talking about with the movement of God and our scripture from Second Peter. And our movement marker for today is this, if it is a movement of God, it will overflow within you and impact the world around you. It will overflow within you and impact the world around you. Now, I'll say that our scripture this morning comes from the Apostle Peter, and and he was writing this text concerning Jesus' return 
after the resurrection. So even right after Jesus' death, right after his resurrection, they were already talking about when Jesus is coming back again. And some of the teaching that was going on throughout the day was saying, well, actually that's wrong. Jesus isn't coming back. And because people um, weren't concerned with Jesus coming back or there being no final judgment, Peter felt that, that others were slacking off in their faith. They were slacking off in their pursuit of holiness. They felt that there was no need, no need to be people who pursued Christ, who pursued holiness, who strived to live in certain ways because this second coming of Jesus, this coming back, wasn't something that was going to occur. And so Peter wrote this letter in response to that teaching, and I want to share just a portion of it with you um, this morning. We'll be reading in chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, and we'll pay special attention to verse 18 this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord. Peter says, Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom, wisdom given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters. There are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, beware that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Friends, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the things I love about um, this final scripture passage in 2 Peter is, is how Peter kind of calls out Paul for being confusing at times. Did you catch that? Peter says, Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters, and there are some things in them hard to understand. It makes me feel better when I read Paul and I don't fully get it, that even Peter, even the great Peter, the rock of the church, um, said Paul was confusing at times. But one of the things that Peter didn't confuse um, was something that was essential to Paul and something that was essential to Peter as well, and that was that part of faith is a regular and constant and consistent pursuit of holiness, a regular, constant, and consistent pursuit of holiness, to be made holy as Christ is holy, to be, to be clearer reflections of Christ throughout our lives. That was one of the goals um, for Peter. And, and when they talked about the second coming of Jesus, I don't think they were talking about it from a place of fear, like I want to scare you into believing in this faith, but one of the things they wanted to make sure is that people understood that, that we want you to have a close relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to be more clearly reflecting the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he didn't just come here to, to talk to us for a while and then to die for us and then that was it and be raised to life for us and then that was it, but he actually asked us to do things. He asked us to respond to the words that he shared with us. And so Peter writes to encourage these people and, and, and Peter's primary audience were, they were Jewish converts 
to Christianity. And you have to understand that one of the difficult things for, for Jewish people who were converting to Christianity is that, that many of them saw Jesus and the work of Jesus as incomplete. One of, one of the hardest reasons for people to get on board with Jesus is the fact that he died. He was supposed to overthrow the oppressors. That's what the Messiah is supposed to do. Israel was not back in any seat of power. They were still under the oppression of Rome. So for many of them, they felt as though nothing had been accomplished at all. And so when you've got these people and they're talking about this person who said some great things, but then ultimately he died, but now we hear that he's been resurrected and, and somehow he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to have some form of judgment on us. And so we have to live. When someone came in and said, hey, you can, you can be a Christian, but you don't have to believe any of that. Many of them were like, all right, that works for me. I'll take the grace. I'll take the grace and nothing more. I'll take the grace and nothing more. Now, one of the things that Peter wanted to make clear is that Jesus wanted people to live into the way that Jesus spoke about living. He, when he told those great parables and he said the kingdom of God is like this, he wanted people to live into that life. And, and one of the most beautiful passages of our scripture comes in verse 15 when Peter says, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. God is giving you time. God is giving you time to live into this new reality, to see the ways that just living into this new reality can change the world around you. Jesus has given you the tools to live into this reality. He's taught you the lessons. If you live into them, you will see your community shift. You will see your community change. But if you go about your life as business as usual, then nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to transform. Jesus is here to empower you to be his hands and feet in the world. And this is why it's important to understand that Peter talked about a fullness of living into the gospel. This is verse 18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and knowledge. I love that word and. It causes me to ask, why didn't he just stop at the first word? Why wasn't it enough to just grow in the grace of Christ? Why not only grow in the knowledge of Christ? Why both grace and knowledge? And I believe that Peter is challenging us to understand faith in a way that impacts the fullness of who we are, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel for the fullness of who you are, not just a portion of who you are, but the fullness of who you are. This was foundational for John Wesley. This whole Methodist movement began as just a very, um, a, a very simple and sincere desire to live a life that was holy. And John Wesley was not perfect, but he wanted to establish a rule of life that helped him to grow more in the grace and in the knowledge of his Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ. And, and as, John, as that movement began to progress, 
as other people started to catch on, as people started to come up to John Wesley and say, hey, I see what you're doing. I see how your faith is shaping your life. I see how your faith is impacting the world around you. Can I be a part of it? Can I be a part of what you're doing? As people started to do that, John Wesley, being the, the person that he was, he developed like a roadmap, essentially, a roadmap for people to begin to live into this faith that connected the fullness of life. And, and Wesley loved the word and too. And this is a, this is a phrase that, that became associated um, very much with Wesley and one that is associated with him today. Um, Wesley talked about having a holiness of heart and life. Holiness of heart and life. And what that meant to Wesley was that the gospel of Jesus is lived out when it's lived out in the fullness of your life. As Peter says in the scripture, with grace and knowledge, this is Wesley talking about holiness of heart and life. And one of the ways that he did that was through the language of works or acts. The things that we do that help us to grow into clearer reflections of Jesus, to help us become more connected to Jesus. And, and Wesley was very impacted by the book of James. We read some scripture from James this morning, such as verses like these, which you've probably heard before, James 2.17, so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And in fact, when Wesley was speaking about James in one of his journal entries, he said that James was a remedy against the general temptation of leaving off good works in order to increase your faith. Wesley broke down works of faith into two categories. He talked about works of piety and works of mercy. Works of piety focused on our relationship with God and works of mercy focused on our relationship with others, with the world. And as you might imagine, John Wesley being the person that he was, he developed even deeper layers to his system of works. Um, for, each, for each thing, for works of piety and for works of mercy, he, he listed out some practices, practices that were meant to be individual and practices that were meant to be communal. So for works of piety, individually he talked about reading and meditating and studying scripture, praying, fasting, regularly, important word, regularly attending worship, healthy living, sharing our faith with others. Communally and corporately, he talked about regularly, regularly sharing in the sacraments, regularly sharing in the sacraments, communion, baptism, Christian conferencing, which with Wesley was just holding one another accountable in Bible study. But then Wesley believed if you're doing that internally, if that's pouring into you internally, and that's where Wesley started. When Wesley started the Holy Club, we talked about that story a while back. Um, when Wesley started this club at Oxford, um, it was, he was focusing on his heart. But then as, as that started to transform his life, it then spread outward. He then said, well, we have to do something about it now because this is stirring up too much in us for us not to do anything. So they started doing things out in the community, and he, he wrote about some of those. Individual works of mercy, doing good works, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, giving generously to the needs of others, or communally. It's things like seeking justice, ending oppression and discrimination. You know, Wesley was one of the first in the church to say, hey, slavery's bad. Methodists shouldn't have slaves. They shouldn't be engaged in slavery. 
and addressing the needs of the poor. The presence of these works in our life was integral to living a faithful life in Jesus Christ. And one of my mentors, um, who was the leader of the Baptist campus ministry at Stetson University, her name's Margie Duncan, um, she had this sign posted outside her door. It said, I don't have a spiritual life. My spiritual life is my life. There is no separation between the two. And I believe that this is the life that Peter points us to when he encourages us to grow in grace and knowledge. It's the same message that we received from James that we heard um, Kelly read to us this morning. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any, hear, if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. And here's the thing, the doing is the embodiment of the hearing. If you hear the word and you really listen and you really receive it, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit from within you. It, you cannot stop that from happening. The gospel always gets out. The gospel of Jesus Christ always gets out. And if it's really impacting you here, in your heart, it will impact you here. It will impact the world around you. That's the movement of God. That's the movement of God. If it impacts you here within you and transforms your heart, it will transform you and your community from the inside out. And so one of the things that we believe as a church is that we want to put our people in position to go out and do the thing. Like every Sunday I end, my, I end the service the same way, to leave the four walls of this building and be the church. Say it every single week, and I, I just believe it. It is the gospel embodied and lived out within us. And so when we do this, this all-family-serve thing, it's one of the ways that we're saying, hey, this is, we're going to show our community in a great big way that we're not just hearing something on Sunday morning, but we're living it out each and every day of the week. I already told you it kicked off um, this weekend with Adopt a Highway. It also kicked off with Youth Engaged in Service. And we want to share with you just a celebratory a little video. You can see some of the things that our youth did over the course of just um, really two days. I give thanks for all who were involved in, um, yes, Youth Engaged in Service uh, this weekend. Um, they were, many of them were here this morning cleaning up, preparing our, our rooms for Sunday school classes, uh, making sure that when people go in there, you wouldn't even tell um, that we had 96 middle schoolers living um, on our church campus this weekend. Um, friends, if it is a movement of God, it will overflow within you and impact the world around you. It just will. It just will. Um, it's the foundation of what, who we are as a church, and it's the foundation of what we're doing um, this week. So I encourage you, I strongly encourage you, get involved in some way um, through All Family Serve. There are too many opportunities 
um, to not have everybody involved. So you can, you can check it out online, or you can also go to the welcome desk as soon as the service is over and, and talk to the people there, and they will be able to help you get signed up as well. Let's join together in living the gospel, growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen?